This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I am a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Now, before I get into this, I normally mention this, but I'm going to just stick it in here now. There is a an accompanying newsletter that goes to the podcast. It's also on my Substack, which anybody can read. It's going to have the exact same title. It'll just be one article underneath the podcast of the same name. I'm going to mention it now because it has a lot of hyperlinks in it this week that will take you to various sources that I used to back up what I'm saying in the in the newsletter and on the podcast, especially about black men, crime, and incarceration rates in the United States. So if you'd like to check that out, please check out the newsletter. Okay. This podcast, this bonus podcast, is for what happened on Friday, which we had body cam footage of Tyree uh, Nichols, his being beaten by cops, and body cam footage and surveillance video of Paul Pelosi being attacked by a mentally ill extremist in his home. Now, this exploded over the news cycle. At first, it was Paul Pelosi midday, and Fox ran with it. And then Tyree Nichols later in the evening at 7 p.m., and that completely took over the coverage. Uh, I just want to say before I start, and I'm really happy with how this one came out because I went just next level nerdy with my analysis, is my grant might be extended. I don't officially have paperwork yet. I'm still living in limbo. There is a organization that is in talks with me about possibly continuing this project, but that is also incredibly nebulous right now. There's no dollar amount. There's no parameters, really. Maybe, kind of, sort of. We're sort of figuring it out. So it's going to take a minute. So if you can support this project, um, it was supposed to end in mid-February. The extension would only be for six months if I if that goes through. So please consider becoming a paid subscriber or one of my supporters at Patreon. If you can't, that's great. That's fine. I totally understand. I am... By no means a wealthy person. I survive month to month. And I understand how even five bucks a month is still five bucks a month. I get it. Um, if you can't help out or you don't want to, you just don't want to pay for media, that's fine. Tell your friends because that's almost as good. If you if you tell somebody about the podcast and you say, hey, this podcast is funny or whatever, or you, you like me as a host or you like the, the, the subject matter, Feel free to share it because that's almost as good as being a paid subscriber because it really does help to build that audience. So anyway, before we get into it, uh, let's get into it. Here we go. Here's the headlines. Very simple this week. Nothing cheeky in my headline. It's simply Fox News, how the network covered the Tyree Nichols and Paul Pelosi body cam footage. On Friday, most media outlets obtained police body cam footage from two very different events. One included a break-in and attack of the husband of the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. The other included footage of a young black man, Tyree Nichols, being brutally beaten to death by police officers. Neither collection of footage was surprising, as media companies were warned that the body cam footage of the police beating 
was especially horrible. All of the pertaining surveillance and body cam footage involving the Pelosi break-in and assault had already been released in court. Fox News behaved exactly how I thought they would, as their coverage mirrored in many ways how the network handled the night Roe v. Wade was overturned. The network brought on experts who would promote a right-wing, sometimes extremist, point of view, while it made dire warnings of massive riots that never materialized. I focused my analysis not just on the content in each Fox primetime show, but also the images shown on the screen at any given time. Images can drive home an idea better than a blathering expert with an axe to grind or a point of view to promote. Fox seemed hell-bent on removing race from the tragedy that befell Tyree Nichols. Fox hosts and guests argued that race was not a factor since both Nichols and the police officers were black. The network completely ignored the fact that black men are far more likely to be stopped by police, charged with a crime by a prosecutor, and serve time in prison than any other demographic in the United States. Our criminal justice system is biased against black defendants. Urban crime involving black suspects dominates most media. Also, according to a study by Harvard published in June 2020, black Americans are over three times more likely than white Americans to be killed by police. From the sentencing project, The Color of Justice, Racial and Ethnic Disparity in State Prisons. This was published in October 2021. Black Americans are incarcerated in state prisons at nearly five times the rate of white Americans. Nationally, one in 81 black adults in the U.S. is serving time in state prison. Wisconsin leads the nation in black imprisonment rates. One in every 36 black Wisconsinites is in prison. In 12 states, more than half the prison population is black. Alabama, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. Seven states maintain a black-white disparity larger than 9 to 1. California, Connecticut, Iowa, Maine, Minnesota, New Jersey, and Wisconsin. In the case of the body cam and surveillance footage of the attack on Paul Pelosi, Fox News exactly what to expect as that footage was used in court during a preliminary hearing in November of last year. Several journalists published descriptions of the footage in great detail. I suspect that Fox News wanted to build up the Pelosi story to show its viewers the network could stand up to the corrupt establishment of the San Francisco court system. Despite the vicious nature of the attack on both Pelosi and his home, conspiracy theorists still invented and promoted a false narrative anyway. For the following shows, most of the segments included split screens. As hosts or guests discussed various subjects, a portion of the screen was dedicated to showing still images, live footage from Memphis or another city, and newly released footage from either the Pelosi or Nichols case. For each program, I include the guests, the percentage of coverage dedicated to each story, and the amount of time images were shown on at least a portion of the screen. Now, the first show I covered is unusual because it's not technically a primetime show. It's Special Report with Brett Baer. I just wanted to see how a program that is supposed to be part of uh, Fox News legit news programming covered this, 
even though they didn't have the body cam footage yet because it was released at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The special report is on from 6 to 7. The duration of the coverage minus commercials was 37.5 minutes. They um, spent eight minutes on the Tyree Nichols story. They showed that's 21% of airtime. The images of the officers, they dedicated 1% of airtime. Those are the officers who brutalized and killed, uh, allegedly killed Tyree Nichols. The images of Tyree Nichols before he was beaten got 3% of its airtime. Live feed from various cities, including Memphis, made up 7% of the airtime. And the Paul Pelosi body cam and surveillance footage also got 7% of airtime. They spent 13% of the airtime on the Paul Pelosi story. Now, they also had Juan Williams and Shannon Bream and Vince Colonese, who's of the Daily Caller. Shannon Bream and Williams is, are both with Fox News to discuss both stories. So Special Report is the network's attempt at a legit news show. Brett Baer does include segments that no other primetime show would touch including international stories, but the problem with the show is that it's very thin coverage. Segments are brief and lack context. It feels like speed dating session for news viewers. Everything flies so fast. And they treated the Pelosi story with the same focus and importance as the Tyree Nichols police beating. Now that would change. Uh, throughout the evening, the Pelosi story pretty much fell off a cliff. So Jesse Waters' prime time... The duration of coverage was 60 solid minutes. They had no commercial breaks. This is on from 7 to 8 p.m. Tyree Nichols, the body cam footage, and this was brutal to watch, absolutely brutal, took up 66% of airtime. The story itself, 100% of the airtime. Images of black officers were 5% of airtime, three minutes total. Images of Tyree Nichols before he was beaten only got 3% of airtime. And when I say before he was beaten, it's basically snapshots, uh, photos of him with his family, photos of him skateboarding, smiling, looking like a human being. And I also included uh, scenes of him where he actually was beaten. I basically just wanted to show anything that showed him as a human being that was not part of the body cam footage. Like how much did Fox show its audience? This is a human being. This is a person who lived, who had friends and family and that sort of thing. And they didn't show much of him. Um, they showed more of the cops, generally speaking. So, and I also want to add that the cop photos throughout all of the Fox primetime shows were mugshots. Uh, there was some variation on that, but most of the images they showed of the cops were their mugshots. So the guests that were on that night to discuss the Nichols footage was Rob O'Donnell, a retired NYPD, D Detective, Horace Cooper, he's a black conservative for, with Project 21, Bob Woodson of the Woodson Center, Heather McDonald, she's the author of a book called The War on Cops, and she, uh, she was spewing so many stats that I thought were dubious that I couldn't even keep up. Uh, Media Matters did an article about her that's pretty scathing. Um, so, yeah, I think she's an extremist activist who's incredibly pro-cop. I just, I wasn't believing half of what came out of her mouth because I was finding completely the opposite when I was doing research. But whatever, I don't have time to explore her at length here, but just wanted to mention that. Alice Johnson, she was a black woman with uh, Taking Action for Good Foundation. Paul Murrow, a former NYPD officer. And Bill Stanton, a retired NYPD officer. So Waters and its producers got the Nichols footage as it was released to the press. 
Because of this, there was a slight delay before it was shown during the program. So Waters and his crew leaned heavily on it, dedicating almost two-thirds of their airtime to surveillance and body cam footage of the attack. Images of Nichols before the attack were only briefly shown at the beginning of the program and never revisited. The cops that allegedly murdered Nichols got nearly twice the screen time. The Fox host also included more than one former police officer who blamed regulations meant to save lives for the tragedy. Now, this first voice you're going to hear is Rob O'Donnell, who is a, um, let me look him up again, a retired NYPD detective. Well, one of the problems with that, Jesse, is we can no longer put a knee to the back or put pressure on the back of the torso in New York City. I'm not sure about the force uh, restrictions that they have in Memphis, but in New York City, you can't get on top and put pressure on the torso to control them, to handcuff them because of, of the laws and, and regulations they've passed. So, uh, you know, that that may play a factor here when they when they go to trial as far, part of their defense. So you're saying uh, that police uh, tactics... Their, their use of force. You're saying police tactics have been hamstrung to that level where these guys can't get on the ground with this guy and subdue him. They have to stand above him and pepper spray him and land blows like that. I know in New York State, based on the laws and regulations that they passed with the NYPD, you cannot put pressure on the person's torso with your knee. So it, it, it could be a factor in this. So later in the program, actually at the very end, Bill Stanton, another retired NYPD police officer, said basically the same thing. They could have put hands on him old school, put his hand behind his back, held him down. It's these onerous rules. Legs on, you can't put a leg on the back, you can't hold their shoulders. God forbid, God forbid your arm go around their neck. And that's why I think they did this. We have to look at their training. We have to look at the cops that were screened and what their history was. Yeah. Immediately, you know, I didn't see any, any death blows. Maybe it was an accumulation of blunt force trauma to the head. Uh, did you see anything that told you that was it? No, I didn't see anybody, you know, stomping on the guy's head, you know, kicking him in the, in the face. I didn't say any of that. To your point, that may have been a mitigating factor. So basically, both Waters and Stanton at that point are minimizing the attack. The man is dead. He died. So you could say it didn't look that bad it didn't look like they were any death blows. Does it matter? The man is dead. He's dead as a direct result of being beaten by these police officers. You know, I, Fox rarely gets me to the point, because I'm so kind of numb to it at this point, where I just want to throw my computer out the window. And those two clips, I wanted to throw my computer out the window. I just, I kind of knew they would go there, but to, it just was enraging. They showed, you know, two-thirds of an hour was spent, you know, about 40 minutes, roughly, of them recycling the same short clips that they had managed to figure out what they were and get them on air, because they were the first show. So I've seen this now over and over and over again, of uh, this man being kicked, this man being pushed to the ground, he's screaming for his mother, and Waters and a former cop say, well, you know, it didn't look that bad to me. And this is regulations that caused this. This is Fox News. This is, you see with your own eyes, they're telling you to not believe what you actually see. This is how enraging this network is. And people will believe this. 
Like, it wasn't that big of a deal because, you know, these cops said it was regulations. We need to get rid of the... The man is dead. What more evidence do you need that this didn't work? The man is dead. I just... I don't want to scream. I'm just getting very worked up. It was really hard to watch this over and over again. And to have these people treat him like, like this. And then they show maybe a minute of him on camera as a human being before this happens. Difficult. I also want to point out, uh, in between uh, a flyer that was shown on all four primetime shows, was supposed to be some sort of flyer for Antifa. Now, I've been labeled Antifa, I can't even tell you how many times. Am I anti-fascist? Hell yeah. I'm very against fascism. Have I ever gone to a meeting? Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) Have I ever dressed in black block and showed up with a black uh, umbrella, you know, and and absolutely not. I'm a person who was born in the 70s and a woman. I don't do these things. Absolutely not. I'm a researcher and I don't like uh, fascism. So, yeah, if you want to call me, you know, Antifa, that's fine. But it's it's very odd because you're just calling me an ideology. So I, I want to say that when I looked at this flyer, to me, it looked completely fake. This is a common problem that groups that criticize um, Antifa will make fake flyers like this. The line that I thought was absolutely ridiculous is a bullet point on the flyer that says, bring a knife or other tool to free unlawfully detained comrades. Now, how on earth is a knife going to do anything or other tool, what, a screwdriver? Can I show up with a screwdriver and free a unlawfully detained comrade? Uh, the top of the flyer says, Call to Action, January 27th, 8 p.m. at all NYPD facilities. Burn it all down. Bring, and it says, rocks, heavy objects, pipes, spray paint, kerosene, lighters, umbrellas. And then it says, travel in large groups. Wear all black. Cover your face. And then the last one is bring a knife or other tool to free unlawfully detained comrades. That is a joke. That is not a real flyer. That was made up either as a joke or for someone to try to make Antifa look bad. Antifa's not even a group. So I just want to tell you very briefly that I went to a book signing. And it was multiple authors, uh, some of which would be identified more as journalists who write about the anti-fascist movement. And some would be bona fide anti-fascist activists. The most famous, well-known one was Daryl Lamont Jenkins, who is does incredible work. And uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> from a first person's perspective of an Antifa group, or they weren't even a group. It wasn't organized. There was no organization. Uh, I, I, I suspect there was a large percentage of people in this tiny bookstore in Brooklyn there's that probably watch Star Trek and play D&D. That's the type of people. And I would put myself in that group of nerds. Very nerdy. Um, and Daryl Lamont Jenkins, half of the people there were women. Uh, he decried both the Democrat and Republican parties and politics in general. At one point, somebody said on the panel said, well, only vote if you have to, to stop some type of horrible legislation. <laughs> We don't really care about voting. We don't believe in the political process. I was like, okay. And um, there's no leader, there's no hierarchy, and there's no cohesion. So it's people who don't like fascism. 
most of the time they just show up and create a lot of noise. They wear black and they bang on things and that's it. And I will say the moment, the movement is not a mirror image of the highly organized and armed right-wing hate groups and militias. Now there's stuff that goes on in Oregon all the time. Has got, it's been like that for years on the West Coast. They, they fight with fascist groups all the time in Oregon. True. But for the most part, you don't see organized Antifa groups anywhere. They're really against organization. Uh, there's no leader. Like I said, there's no hierarchy. There's no membership. There's no dues. There's no meetings. It's just people show up and they don't like fascism. And yeah, they would consider someone like me a nerd who was born in the 70s with cats who no doesn't go to rallies at any kind and they'd call me Antifa. Now, I bring this up because the next show, because again, that flyer that I just described was featured in every single Fox primetime show. There's no no authentication if it was a real flyer or not, or if it was really meant to um, draw anybody to NYPD stations. I will add, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened on Friday. I can laugh at that. I can laugh at that. This podcast is not going to be very funny because of the subject matter, but I can at least we can at least laugh at the fact that that goofy flyer, a fake flyer, most likely a fake flyer, was put out and there was absolutely no incidents, no major incidents at any NYPD facilities. Zero. Um, there was some some action in Times Square. Some kid uh, broke a... It's like one kid that I saw, and he looked like an actual child, looked like a teenager, jumped on a police car and did some damage to the windshield, and they, like, immediately arrested him. Like, two seconds. But boom. And he was taken away. So that was it. That's all I saw. Um, and there was no reporting of any riots or anything. So I bring this up because Tucker Carlson tonight, everybody's favorite, he went on for 49.5 minutes. Normally, any Fox primetime show is 40 minutes. So it was a little bit less, but not quite true. No commercial breaks. Um, he spent the most time of his program, 35% of airtime, talking about Antifa. Now, he was not talking about Antifa in terms of the Tyree Nichols body cam footage. No, he was just talking about Antifa. And I was sitting there on my end going, what is going on? What is going on? He only included Tucker Carlson about five and a half minutes of the body cam footage. It's about 11% of his airtime. He showed the live feed from Memphis for 20 minutes. That's 40% of airtime. He showed a generous amount of time for the Paul Pelosi body cam and surveillance footage, which was four and a half minutes. Uh, he also talked about the Paul Pelosi story for eight and a half minutes, 17% of airtime, and only spent about a third of his time talking about the Tyree Nichols story. He showed the images of the officers for 15 seconds and the images of Tyree Nichols for 20 seconds. So hardly anything. And he just spent a lot of time talking about Antifa. Now, um, he also had some really great, I don't know how to call these guests, just outrageous guests. Jason Whitlock made, just, you'll hear it in the clip. He made some crazy, crazy statements. Um, he also had Michael Schellenberger, who has banned me on Twitter, which I find hilarious because I've never interacted with him on Twitter whatsoever. But I have called him a bogus expert, and I will do so. I will continue to do so. And feel unashamed for doing so. Chris Bedford from the Common Sense Society was also on Tucker Carlson. And then these people just discussed Antifa. Four people. James Craig, former police chief of Detroit. Peter 
Krinzenau, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, Jason Rands, a radio host from Seattle, and Jorge uh, Ventura, a journalist from The Daily Caller. Now, Tucker Carlson was also the only primetime show to uh, come up with a graphic for Friday, and it was this very dramatic, it looks like a house on fire, and then in all block letters on top of it, it just says, bracing for violence. And of course, there was no violence, which is what makes this funny now. Um, Tucker Carlson, I took down the first two-thirds of his show and condensed it into a quick monologue to just show you how incredibly nutty his train of thought was. Now, Memphis is one of the most dangerous places in the Western Hemisphere where killings are very common. That we don't know all the facts here. We've seen a lot of videos over the years that have been put to uses that had nothing to do with the topic of the video itself. Um, so we should suspend some level of judgment, but that video is, is awful in a lot of ways. But the man on the ground who was killed or died in any case was black, but so was every police officer you just saw hitting him. So by the way, is the police chief of Memphis. So is most of its city government. So also is the overwhelming majority of the city of Memphis itself. But we can't help but notice that the last time we had race riots in this country, a president, an incumbent president, lost re-election. There was a point. Antifa. Antifa is not a bunch of hooligans. Antifa, Antifa does not appear by accident. Antifa, Antifa is being organized by whom? We don't know. Antifa is... Antifa. Antifa militants to... So, of course, the very same people who are weeping on television about police brutality applauded when one of Nancy Pelosi's officers murdered an unarmed woman called... Ashley Babbitt. Yes, murdered. So of course, the point of this is to federalize local law enforcement. Insistence on promoting racial division at the behest, in my view, of the military-industrial complex. They want yes. us all looking at this and not looking at what they're doing in Ukraine. But because you don't want to put ugly things on TV and inflame passions, you want people to be reasonable and think things through and reach wise decisions. It, it looked like what young black men do when they're supervised by a single black woman. March around, they hope that there's a larger crowd of non-Antifa activists that they can hide behind. So the last time we had race riots in this country was 2020. It was a presidential election on the horizon and cities burned and people were murdered. But it was to federalize local police and control every organization in the country with guns. And that was a completely insane montage. I, I, yeah. The other voices you heard there were Jason Whitlock, He's the one that said it's because they're led by a single black woman. And he meant the police chief, but it, it could also, because the way he said it in the context that he said it, it also seemed to imply single black mothers. And then he also made the comment about, Jason Whitlock made the comment about how this is really about Ukraine and the military industrial complex. And then Jason Rance made another favorite comment. He's the uh, journalist talk show host from Seattle. He made the comment about how, <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny if you've ever been to a protest, that an Antifa group goes to a protest and then sort of hides behind another group so they can just sort of sneak in as Antifa. Okay, I don't even know what you're talking about. But yeah, I, I, federalizing police, why would anybody want to do that? We already have the FBI. Mayors would lose control of their local areas, so why? They wouldn't want it. Candace Owens also pushes that weird theory. Um, I don't even, I don't even, and then he brings up Ashley Babbitt, you know, because why not? Bring up Ashley Babbitt. What are you doing? 
and again, that was the bulk the bulk of his show, the largest category was Antifa. And there were no riots. So, oops, Tucker, you kind of blew it on that one. So the next one would be Hannity. And Hannity also went commercial-free. So controversially, we went from Jesse Waters commercial-free, Tucker only had 10 minutes of commercials, and then Hannity was like, let's do it, let's go, and he went commercial-free. He included... 16% of his airtime or almost 10 minutes of the body cam footage. He had a much larger chunk of his, like, and you'll see this in the chart that I have. Each show as the night went on had a bigger percentage of airtime for that live cam footage from Memphis. And he actually had multiple correspondents in Memphis he was talking to. It was almost 60% of his airtime had, like, he'd be talking to a guest, but then in the corner or one third of the screen would be this live cam from Memphis, just on a crowd of people in case something happened. Uh, he also talked about the Paul Pelosi story, giving it 18% of airtime, and he gave the Nichols story 82% of airtime. So it's almost exclusively the uh, Tyree Nichols story. He included the officers for 2% of his airtime, and Nichols, before he was beaten, for an equal 2% of the airtime. Hannity is the only Fox host that exclusively showed the police in police uniforms. He showed their police portraits when he featured them. Uh, Tucker showed both the police portraits and the mugshots. The other two shows only showed the mugshots. And again, they would have this on while they were talking to people and they weren't necessarily even talking about the police officers, but they, that's how they do it. They were just constantly showing images of various things. And a lot of times they would bleed the riot that wasn't actually happening the live feed from memphis right into the body cam and then go back and forth and back and forth and you couldn't always tell unless you're looking very closely exactly what you're watching on that screen now i'm going to do it because i'm a researcher and i'm sitting there just scrolling for any sort of detail most people aren't going to do that and i think i don't know what was going on but this was such a common tactic throughout the night that i think they were kind of hoping that there may have been a riot and that you'd see you know people you know violently hitting cops or something and then flashing back to the body cam footage i'm not sure what they were going for with that but it was a constant back and forth between those two sources um which was interesting and then hannity had the following guests on so he had geraldo rivera lawrence jones and joe concha of fox news jason chaffetz also of fox news and a for- former congressperson And then they also had a Greg Jarrett, the legal analyst from Fox News, Ted Williams, a former D.C. homicide detective, and Larry Elder of Epic Times, and Leo 2.0, a lawyer and radio host. So the following is I made a montage of clips from Hannity where this is the type of footage I'm talking about. He would sometimes it would just be on the screen and you just see this live feed. And it was mostly just people walking around because absolutely nothing happened. And then sometimes you would he would talk to a correspondent who was on the street. And you can kind of hear in their voices what's going on here. There's a bit of a subtext. So this is various people from Fox News correspondents. One is Sarah Carter. That's the one woman you'll hear. And the others are just regular Fox correspondents. First of all, uh, I understand people have been gathering so far peacefully, thankfully. What do you see? 
No violence, Sean, so far tonight, but they have blocked off this interstate. Well, the, the protests here have been rather peaceful, which is a sign of relief for the folks that live in the city. As you can see behind me, uh, the crowd is a little bit growing, but it is still peaceful. I'm sure the citizens of this city are happy that it is very peaceful here tonight at this time. So I think that may be a part of the reason why it's peaceful. I had an opportunity to talk to several of the protesters. Now, although everything is very peaceful right now, you know, the tensions are still high and there's still some concern. I'm, I'm peaceful as is, so I'm out here doing a peaceful protest and these people are very peaceful, but um, by any means necessary is the quote that I follow. Right now, everything is peaceful, but I can see the police lights uh, directly to the right of me. They are they are just holding steady. So we've got about a mile of open space right now where the protesters are holding firm on this bridge. Then that's what I hear a lot from the families and the people that are out here that are hoping that that the protests stay peaceful. I think that's a that's a really great point and one that I keep hearing over and over again here. These are peaceful protests. Sean, it's I know it's not even nine o'clock in that city yet, but it's at least comforting for now to see that these protests have stayed peaceful despite that horrific video that we that's that's a word there and I'm sure that a lot of folks have been happy to see that the peace that we've experienced here but there is certainly some concern that things could happen after this. It is still early in Memphis. Back to you. Great reporting tonight for all the people that are protesting and protesting peacefully. We hope that continues all throughout the night. See, I just thought it was an interesting collection of these cutbacks to Memphis where absolutely nothing was happening. He also had a live stream, which I saw from New York City, and there was another one from L.A. that was also kind of spliced through the, the programs. Um, so the Ingram Angle, which is the last show we're going over, was at 10 to 11. Now, Laura Ingram hurt herself in a skiing accident, and she had surgery this week. So she's had substitute hosts for half the week. And Friday night, and this was a very odd substitution, they had Shannon Bream. And I don't think you could find two women more polar opposites than each other than Laura Ingram and Shannon Bream. Shannon Bream is comes across as very warm and sweet and delightful, very serious, uh, legit news reporter. And, uh, you know, Laura Ingram has that snide laugh and she kind of seems angry all the time and she's very smug. So it was a it was a very odd choice. And I would have to assume that most of the editorial content on Ingram's show was not up to Shannon Bream. So I'm not going to put any of this on Sharon, Shannon Bream. I'm just going to say the Ingram angle because she just came in and sub-hosted for a night. I cannot imagine that they would make her make editorial decisions. I'm sure those were probably made by Ingram or the crew that she works with. So this is where it really gets dramatic in that the live feed was shown on the screen for 73% of the show. Now you'll see there's a chart that I made that goes just swoops straight up in that as the evening progressed, Fox included more and more of this live feed footage, I guess, anticipating that there was going to be a riot, which there was not. Uh, they also, she did not cover the Paul Pelosi body cam footage at all or the story. Didn't even mention it. It wasn't even there. So she spent 100% of the airtime on the Tyree Nichols story. Um, they showed the officers 6% of the time, their faces, 
and only showed the victim 1% of the time. So that was very telling. That's where I decided to go back and find how long they spent on the officer's images and Tyree Nichols by the time I got into Ingram, because I went, wait a second, I'm seeing a very big disparity here and that they just had the faces of those officers on the screen a lot more than the earlier shows. Now, uh, for the guests on this show, they had Howard Safir, former NYC police commissioner, Randy Sutton, retired Las Vegas police lieutenant, Pat Ryder, Nassau County police commissioner, Trey Gowdy of Fox News, former prosecutor, former congressperson, Chris Zwecker, former FBI assistant director, Anthony Cabasa, independent journalist, and Victor Davis Hanson, a Fox favorite of the Hoover Institute. The man has a PhD in the classics, and he will talk about any subject Fox wants him to. He's like their all-purpose old white man. They trot him out. He talks really slow. He basically just drones on, and they're like, Victor Davis Hanson. Okay, so now this was really interesting because Randy Sutton, the retired Las Vegas police lieutenant, went off script. And he did, I've seen him do this before on Jesse Waters' primetime when they were talking about the Paul Pelosi case. He openly disagreed with Jesse Waters, and I was like cheering from my side. And here he makes a totally opposite statement than the two previous retired police officers did on Jesse Waters' primetime. Um, as a police trainer, I spent many, many years as a trainer watching what unfolded here in Memphis was actually shocking to me. Um, I, I saw horrible policing. I saw bad techniques. I saw uh, out-of-control officers, no supervision, no leadership. And this is a recipe for what just took place. Uh, so at this point in my evening, actually some of this was done on Saturday, I had already sat through uh, Brett Baer, Jesse Waters, Tucker Carlson, Hannity. And when I heard this man say that, I leapt up. I immediately clipped that and said, well, that's going in the, the podcast no matter what, because Eureka, somebody finally broke and just said this was horrible policing, horrible. They didn't blame regulations. They blamed the cops and just, I just thought that was a great statement. And this next clip that I want to play for you is a compilation that I put together from all four primetime shows. I didn't include Brett Bear, but I, I included the other, four, the actual primetime shows of hosts and guests together all really reaffirming the idea that race played no role whatsoever in this crime. And again, I would just like to preface that this is a little bit more complicated than that, because as I said earlier in the podcast, black men are more likely to be uh, stopped by police. They're more likely to be arrested. They're more likely to be charged with a crime. They're more likely to be sentenced and sent to prison. Um, black people are disproportionately represented in our prison system and crimes are disproportionately shown by black perpetrators or uh, black suspects in our media. And this partly has to do with the fact that newsrooms are right next to urban areas and the crime that white people commit tends to be out in the middle of nowhere or in like suburban areas where it's harder to get to. And so something as mundane as, um, you know, if it's a carjacking, for instance, and you see it in an urban area where there's cameras everywhere, that's footage that can be used in the media. A carjacking that happens, and they, they do happen in the middle of nowhere. My sister was a public defender in southern Missouri. Trust me, there's plenty of crime in southern Missouri. 
um, something happens where somebody steals a car, but there's no, you know, cameras pointed at it in every direction, or there's no people with cell phones taking images of it and, and, and whatnot. Uh, or, you know, somebody making meth in, in the woods next to a trailer park. This stuff happens all over the country, and it happens in areas that aren't urban, and it, it crimes are committed by white people all the time. Just wanted to get that out there because that's, you know, I'm from a lower-income background. My sister was a public defender, and she had plenty of clients that were white who did all kinds of horrific crimes in the middle of nowhere. It's just not going to make the news. So that's part of why we get kind of a slanted, skewed version of crime and part of the reason why black men particularly are not treated fairly in the criminal justice system. So here's the clip. Uh, one of the things that uh, Chief Davis said was, this is not about race. This is not about racial injustice. Sharpton or some of the other race grievance mongers. So whatever you think of them, white people did not play any role in this particular tragedy. Whatever the story may be about, it's not about racial bias. Any honest person could see that immediately. But you would never know it from watching the so-called news coverage of this tape today. The only person whose race most media outlets identified was the victim. We can't say for certain, but we can't help but notice that the last time we had race riots in this country, a president, an incumbent president, lost re-election. Was- and I get so sick and tired of these race baiters making this into white supremacy. It seemed pretty awful to me. But it didn't seem race related. So why are they telling us it is? So the last time we had race riots in this country was 2020. It was a presidential election on the horizon and cities burned and people were murdered. But we were. This is a body blow to law and order, to race relations. It's a body blow to racism. Where's the racial component here? Now, there are good cops and there are bad cops. And to me, it has nothing to do with race to serve their communities and protect their communities. The, uh, that transcends race to me. I want to play what Benjamin Crump, the attorney for the Nichols family, said about race and police. Now, against that backdrop, I thought it was interesting that the police chief there in Memphis, um, C.J. Davis, said she thinks this actually is not an issue of race. What she said is it's about human dignity, integrity, and accountability, and the duty to protect our community. Well, they want to make it about race, but the truth of the matter is our job is to protect and serve all the people, no matter your race, religion. Your- and then as, it, as this happens now in America, everything is not about race, but all the participants, the victim and the victimizers, the overseer, the police chief, were all of one race. It, we were told it had something to do with race. It had nothing to do with race. And again, that's Victor Davis Hansen, the sort of all-purpose guest for Fox News. They have him on quite a bit, and he will talk about any subject. So um, that is basically Fox News trying to say that racism doesn't exist, which is a common theme on the network, that we overblow racial problems and racial tensions. But again, the stats on who gets incarcerated in this country and who doesn't are pretty staggering. And again, there are plenty of crime in rural America. Talk to anyone who works in criminal justice. They'd have no problem telling you story after story after story. Black defendants are treated very differently in the court system than white defendants. It's another thing. Talk to a criminal defense attorney. You'll get an earful. So Thank you for listening. That's the end of the podcast. Uh, I found the footage, the police body cam footage, absolutely horrific. Um, If you don't want to watch it, I don't blame you. 
Um, it's very, very difficult to watch, and I had to watch it over and over again for this particular episode. Um, but I thank you for listening. If you want to support this podcast, uh, please go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. There's a dollar sign next to my name on my Twitter account, or you can also become a paid subscriber for only $5 a month. Um, my podcast mascots, Odin and Thor, my cats, send their love. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you at the next podcast, which will be tomorrow. <laughs> my life is crazy. <laughs>